Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Welcome to Accelerated Health Radio and TV. I'm your host, Sarah Banta. I'm a health coach, natural supplement expert, and a busy mom of three teenagers. I believe that your body does want to and is capable of rebuilding and healing itself, regardless of what chronic disease you may have. And I'm here for you to answer your questions, bring you innovative and cutting-edge technology and health solutions to empower you and your ability to reach your optimal state of health. Today, my guest will be talking about certain health foods that wreak havoc on your health. And I know that you really need that strong physical foundation to work on your mental and spiritual growth, whether it's overcoming anxiety and depression, losing weight, or detoxing your body in the proper way, and even increasing your frequency in life. You need that strong physical foundation in order to gain the willpower to make the bigger changes in life. If you're new to following me, I specialize in helping you get there. You can find my health articles, my cutting edge, natural frequency enhanced supplements, devices, and protocols at acceleratedhealthproducts.com. I dive into an array of health conditions, their causes and symptoms, and how to address them naturally. I spent thousands of dollars and hours of my time biohacking different supplements, technologies, and diets that don't work so that you don't have to. My poor family has gone through the ringer on things that don't work, but I also have solved all of their health issues as well. If you have any health issues you need help with, you can email me directly through the website. I personally read everyone. And Accelerated Health Products is the sponsor of this show. So as you support my website, I'm able to bring you more cutting edge content and guests to the show. Today we have our guest back diving into how oxalates can damage your health. And what are they? How to remove them so that you can live at that higher state of vibration or frequency as a result. First, I wanted to talk about my monthly free group coaching that comes with the Accelerated Ascent Diet Cleanse. It's my most comprehensive cleanse. I have the groups that go through and their results have been so amazing. I have people who just have lost those stubborn pounds. They've been carrying around for the last 10 years and can't get rid of to the point where people were going in for surgery or radiation and have canceled those appointments. They don't need them. They're seeing results within 30 days that is reversing chronic disease. People are reporting that easy fat loss for the stubborn pounds, easy visceral fat loss, easy fat, fatty liver reversal, increased sustained physical and mental energy, better bowel movements, which is super important to detoxification, and decreased appetite and the ability to intermittent fast really easily, clearer skin, wider eyes, better sleep, less moodiness, which we all could appreciate, and something called an improved cellular permeability, and that's the ability for the cells to let go of the toxins 
and to accept and absorb the nutrients. And it's so important. It doesn't matter if you're eating that healthy kale salad. If you have bad cellular permeability, those nutrients are not getting into the cells. At the end of the 30 days, you will be flushing out hundreds to thousands of gallstones or liver stones out of the body safely into the toilet. There's nothing like it. You also will get a deeper understanding of how your body heals itself naturally. Your body is the miracle. You don't need medication. You don't need anything but your own body. And you have the ability to get off your medications with the consultation with of your doctors, of course. The difference between me and any other group coaching is I provide the most cutting edge frequency enhanced supplements no other company has this that works synergistically with each other and your body doesn't experience those flu-like symptoms. You truly feel great day one. If you're interested, leave me a comment below or you can check it out on the website, acceleratedhealthproducts.com. Now to the good stuff. Elliot is back and he's a nutritional therapist and functional medicine practitioner based in France. He runs a private nutrition practice called EO Nutrition and consults with people virtually from around the globe. He has a keen interest in learning about the potential toxic effects of plant food overconsumption, which I personally have experienced and has a particular focus on dietary oxalates and its role in chronic health conditions. Welcome, Elliot. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me. All right. Last time we we drove we dove into oxalates and how they're getting into the tissues in the body. So first I wanted to just recap what the oxalates are and where they are depositing, where the most um, popular, I should say, common places they're depositing in the body and how they're wreaking havoc. Okay, excellent. Um, so a basic overview is that oxalates, oxalate is a chemical, oxalic acid, a chemical found in a variety of different plants, many of them which um, we're told are very healthy foods and overconsume. I think. Uh, so when we consume large amounts of these foods, um, we get a spike in the blood and over the long period of time, we can accumulate uh, oxalate within the body. And so uh, easy way to think of it is oxalate is a little bit like a magnet. It is a mineral chelator. So first things first, it is chelating many of our dietary minerals. These include the alkaline min minerals, including calcium, magnesium, potassium, but also zinc, and maybe some other things as well. Um, aside from being a mineral chelator, uh, the structure of oxalate is, is extremely kind of um, corrosive, let's say. It can have have many kind of uh, mechanical damaging effects on our, on our tissue. It's very sharp. It looks like a crystal. Uh, when oxalate deposits or accumulates in the body, as it precipitates into a crystal, it can it can form within the joints, uh, the connective tissue, the soft tissues. Uh, it can be uh, found in the organs, such as the thyroid gland, the brain, the eyes, uh, the breasts, uh, even the liver, kidneys, etc. Uh, it's most commonly associated with kidney stones where it forms a, a large stone, which is sometimes difficult to pass and requires surgery. But actually, it can form these small crystals really anywhere in the body. As it goes into cells, uh, the very small forms of oxalate can disrupt how cells make energy, disrupt a variety of different processes inside the cell, trigger inflammation. It's a 
key driver of um of what's called the inflammasome uh at the mm. same time uh just um the structure of oxalate itself uh can cause just widespread damage within the body especially within the nervous system as well as it becomes deposited within neural tissue or, or nervous tissue uh it can disrupt the flow of information from the neurons uh from the brain to anywhere else in the body uh so overall um it's a it's a pretty insidious toxin um it's found in certain plants some higher than others um and if we consume too many of those plants which we do uh in many places of the world then it can contribute to a variety of different chronic health conditions so one thing that i've been asked is i mean you you hear from the vegan side of of the world that that um, claims that we are not meant to eat animal protein and our ancestors lived off of plant proteins did our ancestors have any oxalate poisoning now i'm saying all of that not saying that i agree with the vegan theory of what our ancestors ate but were oxalates something that our ancestors even thought about or had any issues with well, it depends where you look, I think, um, it, and how far back you want to go. <laughs> and I'm probably not the best person to talk about, you know, paleo kind of anthropology. But um, with regard to uh, the acknowledgement of oxalate as a toxin, as a poison, uh, in Britain, there's documented cases going back a couple of hundred years. Um, mm -hmm. It was it was known that uh, with high consumption of, of tea, uh, which was, which right. had been imported, um, into, into Britain became a, a com commonplace, um, cons over consumption of tea, over consumption of rhubarb, over consumption of sorrel. Uh, these were all associated with negative health out outcomes. Now, I think if you want to go, you know, take a kind of 30, 30 foot, 30, thousand feet view a wider perspective of it then i would say that um the foods which are densest in nutrition and which probably provided the most sustenance sustenance probably throughout the majority of our ev evolutionary histories as a species I, I would say the evidence for that from what i can see um is fairly conclusive that it was based primarily on animal products and animal products right. are basically zero in oxalate so i would say that if if human beings are eating a species specific diet a diet which is uh, suitable for their species as a whole which is predominantly or largely based on animal foods animal protein animal fat then i think that the consumption of dietary oxalate is going to be minimal anyway now right. many oxalate containing foods if you are in um kind of the northern or southern hemisphere uh these foods generally grow um seasonally right and and because we have access to all these weird and wonderful kinds of foods all year all year long now because of international export we've lost that seasonality there's a very good paper if your listeners are interested in reading it by one of the experts in oxalates actually her name is sally norton um mm -hmm. and she uh she wrote the paper i believe it was called lost seasonality and overconsumption of plant toxins i think it was anyway she makes a very good argument that actually you know, a little bit of oxalate consumption at certain times of year is not necessarily going to be a problem because our system gets a break. But in our modern world, we have consistent consumption for very long periods of time taken 
you know, in the context of all of the other damage that our body um, is is put under, particularly antibiotics, uh, toxins, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think it, it really kind of uh, adds to the burden and it makes us that more susceptible. So I would say that uh, I can't really answer that question um, with any certainty, but I, I would think that you know human beings were not consuming this. High, consistently high amounts of oxalate for any long period of time. Well, that theory goes along with um, just a reduction in sugar consumption, you know, right now, because our ancestors would eat like three blueberries off of a tree, right? They or the plant, but they wouldn't have cups of frozen blueberries pulled out of the freezer to throw on their ice cream and mm -hmm. you know throw with i mean right now i've got frozen strawberries in my in my freezer because that's available in modern day society where you would have strawberries available that were really small and they were only available during a one certain season and just like mm -hmm. you're you're talking about so i'm 100 percent agree with you i want to go back to what you're talking about the chelation of the minerals in the body because one thing i thought is yes our body is really smart at at keeping a homeostasis so if the if the oxalates are chelating things like calcium out of the body our bones are probably leaching out calcium to keep that homeostasis of alkalinity in the blood. So my question, and maybe you don't have the answer to this, is people with suffering from high oxalates, would they maybe have more of a, a, a risk of being osteoporosis or weakened bones because the calcium is seeping out of the bones? Uh, yeah, I think that's entirely possible. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah, it is. And uh, what you often see is that people who uh, who are dumping oxalates heavily, uh, hypocalcemia can be can be an issue. But really, the body has stores of calcium, so it can it can quite quickly replenish those. It's it's less common than something like hypokalemia which is low blood potassium. That is very common in people who have problems with oxalate. And that's because oxalate does bind very tightly. It binds very tightly to calcium, but it also binds very tightly to potassium, particularly in the blood. Mm. And if you've got very high levels of oxalate in the blood, it's going to carry out potassium to a higher degree um, than if you didn't have. Gotcha. Okay, so I want to touch on the symptoms of, that someone's uh, experiencing when when they are having this oxalate issue. So we talked about it coming out of the eyes. Can you explain what that would look like? What is it? What is the symptom, or what can someone look for if it's coming out of the eyes? And then also, what can women especially look for? If, if they're suffering from urinary tract issues and that sort of thing, because those two things are really common. Yeah. Okay. So basically we touched upon last time in the last discussion about this concept of accumulating a bunch of tox uh, of oxalate and then dropping the level in the diet. So for instance, if someone has a smaller, like they, they, they're on a really high oxalate diet, they start to reduce it gradually and they work their way down to the set amount, which is classed as a low oxalate diet, which is around 50 milligrams per day. What they will see is that as they start to begin to reduce dietary oxalate, then their body is going to sense that and begin to release this. Okay. The immune system will 
essentially identify oxalate as the toxin, as the poison, and it will start to mobilize it. Now, when it mobilizes it, this activates the inflammatory response. The immune system is active, but it needs to get it out of the body in some way. Okay. So remember I was saying oxalate is highly um, corrosive. It, it causes mechanical damage. It causes intracellular damage. It's, it's, generally not a nice thing for your immune system to, to have to carry around and since your tissues are very soft and squidgy you know like we're not made of metal we're not made of stone uh, it means that we are particularly susceptible particularly our, our, um, our mucous membranes are very susceptible to the damaging or irritant effects of oxalate as it's passing out now we've only got so many kind of orifices and we need to kind of decide where we're going to get rid of oxalate so some people are going to primarily do that through the kidneys. I mentioned kidney stones being one of the um, uh, main kind of conditions which is associated with oxalate. Uh, and this is reflected by our, our kidneys ability to filter oxalate, carry it out of the uh, kind of filter the bloodstream, uh, precipitate it into the urine. And as it's uh, passing through the through the kidneys, to the bladder and out through the urinary tract, it can cause damage as it's coming out. So it's not mm -hmm. uncommon for someone who's not had a history of kidney stones, all of a sudden, as they think that they might have a problem with oxalate, they will reduce oxalate in the diet. And what they will start to see is that all of a sudden, a couple of months later or a couple of weeks later, they might develop kidney stones for the first time in their life. And that is yeah. that is basically caused by mobilizing oxalate and passing it through and the kidneys not being able to filter it at the rate in which it's coming to the kidneys, okay? And so as it's passing its way through, as it gets to the bladder, again, it can cause irritation. It can cause damage to the bladder lining. This can lead to uh, opportunistic bacteria, which can adhere to the bladder lining. It can cause symptoms which look very similar to a UTI, such as uh, blood in the urine, cloudy urine, um, stinging or irritation in the urine, um, smelly urine, all of the kind of key signs and symptoms of uh of a urinary tract infection right. someone may go and test and they may not actually have an infection so this is merely caused by the damaging kind of crystals that they're peeing out and it's it's coming out through the bladder causing damage there as it's going out through the urinary tract uh, again it can lead to um burning sensations strange tingling neuropathy type symptoms around that entire area and there are many women in particular who report uh, major improvements in vulvodynia. And in fact, I believe it's probably one of the main causes of vulvodynia because I have seen that many people who have um, who've achieved complete remission from the condition. Just for the listeners um, so that they understand, vulvodynia is a condition which is characterized by unexplained or idiopathic pain or discomfort or irritation uh, around the vagina. So that can be inside or on the outside, okay? And again, I think that this is um, this is kind of uh, just demonstrating how pervasive and insidious oxalate can actually be. It can mm -hmm. it can get really anywhere and everywhere in the body. But again, unless someone is dumping this uh, stuff through the kidneys, uh, then really they there's lots of other orifices that they can get rid of it get rid of it from. So the main it seems to be the main way to get rid of oxalate is through the gut. So we have these transporters, these little proteins in the gut. Which can um, which can allow us to take the oxalate and 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 flush it into the into the into the lumen of the colon and carry it out that way. So the way that that people or the symptoms that this might cause uh, frequently it is diarrhea. Uh, it can be gut pain. It can be abdominal cramps. It can be 
kind of signs and symptoms that you might associate with dysbiosis. I often see that people who have been diagnosed with uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and other conditions like that, where they have the bloating, they have the nausea, they have maybe constipation, diarrhea, um, basically just GI distress, okay? M many occasions what you'll see is that as someone goes on a low oxalate diet, they have a period of feeling well, and then as they're going through their dumping phases, they get all of these gut-related symptoms, they come back for a couple of days, and then they disappear. So in many cases, it can cause like what looks to be severe diarrhea, and in some cases, bloody diarrhea as well. In, in many cases, as it's coming out through the anus, um, it, it can cause uh, burning, it can cause tingling, it can cause, uh, you know, small micro abrasions, which might manifest as uh, micro bleed, you know, blood on the tissue, for instance. Again, and this is only lasting while someone is dumping oxalate out through the gut. Okay. And you asked about the eyes. Uh, again, the eyes, you can kind of call it an orifice. Um, basically, it's another way in which the body does clear oxalate, and this is very common, is that people will generally, rec uh, they will recognize uh, a kind of like a mucus or a, a fluid coming out of their eye, and that is accompanied by grit or sand. Uh, if people take these crystals and they look at them under a microscope, they look like small shards of glass, okay? So someone might feel as though their, their eyes are very itchy, their eyes are red, their eyes are irritated. They, they like someone's got allergies, but they can actually feel grit uh, in and around the eyeball. Oftentimes they wake up with it at nighttime. Uh, sorry, in the morning time. Um, and then finally, it can also come out through the skin. So what you'll often find is that throughout the jawline, for some reason, jawline mm. is really common. People will notice like hard grains of sand or glass which come out of the jawline or come out of areas of the, the skin which look like rashes. Um, but actually up close, you can see very, very, very small, shiny crystals, which come out and, um, and, and yeah, it's really strange. Uh, if someone's doesn't know what to look out for, then, you know, they, they can't, uh, they can't anticipate it. I have to admit, um, I've had 90% of the symptoms that you've talked about. I've had the skin rash, um, the blood in the urine, the cloudy urine, the stuff coming out of my eyes. And I believe it's because about a month ago, I stopped oxalates. And that really begs the question, and I will get into it in a little bit, because I want to touch on um, the dangers of dumping first, but how, how, to, how to go from a high oxalate diet to a, a low oxalate diet safely. And is it dangerous to see the blood in the urine or the stools? Or at what point do you go to the doctor or is this just part of the process? Yeah. Okay. So I would say that for any kind of red flag symptom, like blood in the urine, blood in the doctor, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. I, I would say to every one of my clients, I say, look, it's not going to hurt just to go check it out. Now, nine times out of 10, there's nothing that the doctor will find. They'll say, okay, it's probably just this, or there's there's no internal bleeding, or there's no urinary tract infection. And the 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 patient is usually left like to fend for themselves. That's how mm. a medical system works. I would say that always to err on the side of caution. You know, I, I personally would never say to someone, don't go, don't get it checked. Like it's never gonna hurt to get something checked. Okay. But at the same time, you know, these symptoms are uh, scary for a lot of people. They're frankly scary. And if they're not equipped to know what's going on, how to stop it and what might be causing it, then understandably it's it's going to make someone very kind of apprehensive and, and cautious. 
Um, so, so that's the first thing I would say on that. Um, in terms of, sorry, what was the first question? It was how to reduce it, how to reduce the, the amount in the how, eye? How, yes, I want to get into how, okay, number one, what foods are the absolute get them out of your diet right now today? Because I know there's some okay. really big ones. And then I know there's some that are mediocre with the amount of oxalates they have and that you can you can have in um, moderation. But which ones are should everyone today listening get out of their diet? Okay, right. So I can tell you what I would usually do with someone who comes to me with that question. Okay. Generally, people, um, if they are on a very high diet, just to give you some context, the I think it's the American Kidney Association, they recommend a safe amount of dietary oxalate is anywhere between 100 and 150 milligrams per day. Okay. The average amount that the um, most Americans eat, I think that's sitting at maybe 200 to 300. The amount that you can find in one green smoothie, if you use specific ingredients, you can you can reach over 1500 milligrams in one smoothie okay if if you go if you're going hard on it uh, depending on the brands depending on the vegetables i mean it, off the top of my head i can't remember the exact milligrams but you can easily you can easily top 300 milligrams of um of uh, of oxalate for that day just with like a, a a spinach salad for instance okay if you're eating dark chocolate, if you're eating a lot of the other high foods, then you can be in excess of a thousand milligrams per day. Like, so for these people, uh, like this is kind of what high oxalate, oxalate diet looks like. So, so overall you've asked like, what are the absolute maximum foods or, or the foods which are really major offenders, which I ask people to stop almost immediately. Well, if you're looking kind of like the alternative health community, you know, like whether it's veganism or paleo or whatever it is, oftentimes it's the gluten-free replacements. So mm -hmm. it's the gluten-free flours, uh, most notably being almond flour. So almond flour is one of the really high foods. Amaranth is one of the really high mm -hmm. foods. Some key uh, vegetables, which I have people take about out immediately. First of all, it's spinach. Spinach is, I th like the highest, like in terms of what's most commonly consumed. There are other right. plants, but they're quite uncommon. So spinach, Swiss chard. These are the two greens, which I have people stop immediately. Next, I have people stop all cacao powder. So mm. dark chocolate, uh, raw cacao, nibs, all of that kind of stuff. I have people stop them immediately as well. Because again, depending on the brand, if you get like a 99% chocolate and you have a small square, you can easily hit like 60 milligrams in a small square, mm. okay? Depending on the brand. So overall, like the aim is in a low oxalate diet is to get it down to 50 milligrams per day, okay? Now, the rate at which someone does that is gonna depend on how much they're having at that time. Now, again, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants here, really, because the way that, that someone... I kind of want to clarify and emphasize that the only way that the body can get rid of the stored oxalate, there's supplements and things that someone can help, but you don't detox it. Okay. The only way that you can get rid of it is for your immune system to liberate it or clear it from tissue and you carry it out of the body. Okay. 
on the way out, it usually causes damage. So it usually causes problems. Mm -hmm. And the rate at which your body clears it is dependent on how much oxalate you eat. Okay. So basically, if you continue on a high oxalate diet, you will not get rid of oxalate. Okay. The only way is to reduce dietary oxalate. That is the best test. That is the best means by which to get rid of it like consistently. Now, the rate at which you do that. So in other words, faster is not better in this regard. Okay. So I'll give you an example. If someone is having 900 milligrams of oxalate every day, I'll give you an example of like a, I don't know, a, a vegan who eats lots of spinach salads. She eats a, a, a like a, a smoothie with turmeric, black pepper, cacao powder, almond milk, almond flakes, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, then she's going to probably be anywhere from 700 to 1000 milligrams per day. So in her, in her kind of situation, what I would be looking to do, and this is based on the work of Susan Owens and the group that she's got, that I'll talk about later, is that essentially what someone needs to do is they need to very incrementally reduce the amount of oxalate that they're consuming. And that's because if someone reduces it too quickly, it's almost like the body senses that and does its best to clear this toxin as fast as possible. So mm. if someone reduces reduces the oxalate in their diet, for instance, on a carnivore diet or an animal-based diet, what you have is many people who go from a really high oxalate diet all of a sudden overnight to a zero oxalate diet, say if they're only consuming animal products. So they go from like 900 milligrams to zero milligrams in a very short space of time. And within a couple of days or a couple of weeks, they their body senses that and releases massive am of amounts. Now, remember I said that this stimulates the immune system. Oxalate is a mineral chelator. It causes copious amounts of damage on its way out. So what will happen is, is that someone will liberate a bunch of this stuff. It will see that it needs to get rid of it. And so you might end up with massive amounts of potassium, which is floating in the blood chelated. You might end up with uh, sudden drops in calcium sudden drops in some of the other minerals. So someone, all of a sudden, they start get wrapping heart rate. They feel as though mm. they might be having a panic attack or a heart attack. They go to the emergency room because they feel like they're going to die because they are acutely hypokalemic because it's depleting their minerals, it's depleting their potassium. It's, it's coming out too fast. At the same time, they have severe agonizing, bloody diarrhea. They feel faint. They feel dizzy. They're in severe joint pain. All of their systems are under a major amount of stress. And this is generally because wherever oxalate is being removed from or liberated from in the body, it can usually like exacerbate whatever is going on. So for instance, if you've got oxalate stored in your left elbow, then the chances are as you're going to be clearing that or pulling that from the elbow, you're going to be getting severe elbow pain. Okay. This is generally how it looks. So uh, yeah, where am I? So basically you reduce oxalate, you do it too quickly, you release too much too fast, and therefore you cause yourself major problems. And because it stimulates the immune system, it triggers inflammation. That is inflammation that is causing damage to your tissue. Okay. Like it's causing damage uh, to other tissues, which aren't necessarily affected by oxalate. So the idea is we do not want to stimulate the immune system excessively. That's not a good idea. We don't want to make ourselves severely mineral deficient in someone who's already probably mineral deficient because of right. long-term oxalate consumption. So the concept is, is that someone needs to reduce it very slowly. And that is approximately anywhere between five and 10% of their intake per week. Okay. 
So depending on kind of someone's constitution, if I feel like they're robust, then I might say to them, okay, let's take out those main offenders, the spinach, the almonds, the nuts, the almond flowers, the cacao, um, you know, the, the things that I spoke about. However, if in the situation um, that they are, uh, sorry, yeah, if, if I feel like they can handle it, if they haven't got uh, like a very severe health condition going on, if they, if I, I sense that they're kind of robust, then I will say, okay, take, take out the main offenders, then let's look at what else is in the diet, and then let's gradually bring that down week by week, okay? However, in some people who are a little bit more sensitive, who might have longer term health conditions and who have been eating a very high amount, I might actually say, look, let's not take out all of those things immediately. Let's just take out the spinach, for instance. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because if the spinach is contributing 300 milligrams of oxalate to a total amount of 700 milligrams, that's more than half. So if they take out spinach immediately, they're going to be dropping their oxalate consumption very quickly. And that could trigger severe amounts of dumping. And they're not going to be happy with me if I tell them to do that. So what I might <laughs> say is actually we'll work out, do a quick calculation, how much they're eating, and then gradually reduce it five or 10% per week. Gotcha. Well, we're going to come back after a short commercial break and dive a little more into how to do it properly and what is the other side of what it looks like to be on a, a less oxalate or a low oxalate diet. So we'll be right back with Elliot Overton. Welcome back to Accelerate Health Radio. I'm your host, Sarah Banta, the owner of Accelerate Health Products. And today we have Elliot Overton talking all about plant poisons and oxalates. Elliot, thank you so much for that description of, of not getting off oxalates 100% right off the bat because people like me would say, oh, if it's bad for me, I need to cut it all out. And I have to tell you, I did that. And I was experiencing all these symptoms that you're talking about. And then I heard that you need to do it slowly. So I started actually eating a few of the foods like berries, just to kind of have my system have some of them in it. How do you do it properly? And Obviously, people with more immune compromised systems probably are even even having a more difficult time with this because it is triggering the immune response. Um, I, I just don't know where what protocol. Yes, five to 10 percent. That seems painfully slow. If you're decreasing by five to 10 percent per week, that's going to take what, 10 to 12 weeks, 10 to 20 weeks to, to actually get down to a low oxalate diet, correct? 
correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so what I've also heard about the honeymoon period where you cut them all out, you get this break of feeling great, and then you start showing signs. Can you explain that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so usually someone learns about oxalates and what you described is really common. Basically they realize that this thing might be causing the health issues. And so they stop it. And that's like a, you don't want to fall into that pattern. I mean, some people can get away with that, but actually in some people, they end up paying for it eventually. Uh, so, so yeah, that's kind of something really important. Um, what we see oftentimes there's usually a honeymoon period anywhere between I don't know, basically a period of time where symptoms improve massively. So if someone's primary health complaint is uh, bladder irritation or UTIs, someone might go on a low oxalate diet and immediately find that they've got no UTI symptoms. Or for instance, arthritis, if someone has uh, arthropathy or arthritis, which is caused by oxalate, then ultimately they will go on a low oxalate diet. And in many cases, they will find the six weeks or two months or something like that, where they feel as though they are in remission. And then all of a sudden, one day they will be hit. Okay. They'll be hit with the, all of the old signs and symptoms. And in some cases, the, the signs and symptoms are worse than they were previously. And this is, again, this is more reflective of the immune system pulling out this stuff from the tissue and getting, you know, uh, the inflammatory response is being triggered there. Uh, and so that's, that's generally what tends to happen with everyone who tries a low oxalate diet is that they do generally see improvements. They might not see complete remission of their condition. They might not see any, any improvements, but many people do report definite, uh, honeymoon phases when they go on a low oxalate diet. So when people are completely clear of all symptoms, or how do they actually know that they're in a good space and they're clear, at least in a, in a place where their body can have the detoxification pathways open enough to take care of the daily 50 to hundred milligrams of oxalates that they're taking in. How do you know if you're there? How do you know if you're done with the, the symptoms? I mean, really that's, that's going to, um, that's, that's probably going to be a long time. Uh, it depends. I mean, oxalate doesn't, it's not a driver of everyone's health condition, right? So for instance, if you've got a problem that you think might be caused by dietary oxalate, then you're going to want to give it at least a couple of years on a low oxalate diet before you can kind of rule out that the condition is not driven by oxalates. Okay. Now, usually people will find that it takes anywhere from a year to three or four years to fully become, uh, free of the problem, which was kind of, of uh, you know 40 years of accumulated oxalate in their in their in their body okay now um i want to make clear that there is no known detoxification pathways for oxalate right it is mm -hmm. simply this mechanism of the immune system pulling it out and clearing it and so the rate at which someone's body is going to do that it, it differs between different kinds of people some people don't actually seem to have that much of a problem with, with it they'll go on a low, low oxalate diet and they won't necessarily have any symptoms which get better or get worse and so they might actually uh they might have done it for six months or one year and they might decide that you know it's not for them or it's not going to fix their problem uh but in many cases um it, it takes time so i i would say that um i uh, it, if, 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 if this is your problem, you need to be in, you need to be in it for the long run. Um, because it can take a very long time for, for the body to actually clear out all of the stuff that's, that's stored.
Are you seeing any supplement or any way that um, you can speed up the process or dampen the side effects of the dumping? Yeah, this is really important. So if someone um, does not, uh, if, if they don't know, if they're not prepared and they go onto a low, low oxalate diet and they don't know what they're doing, they can get themselves into a real mess. Like I gave some examples previously, go to the emergency room, be in severe chronic pain and not know anything about what to do. Now, if we look at what oxalate does and we look about some of the mechanisms in the body, well, we know that it depletes minerals. We know that when you dump it into the into the bloodstream and you carry it out, it's, it's also going to be bound with minerals. So we know first things first, mineral mineral replenishment is absolutely essential and this means using um calcium using magnesium using potassium especially for certain people uh in the right amounts depending on each individual um in specific forms can really come in handy in fact many of the symptoms of oxalate dumping can be due to um uh acute mineral deficiency that means mm -hmm. uh, the rapid heart rate the chest pain the dehydration the thirst frequent urination all of that stuff can be because someone is just depleted you know minerals across the board and they need replenishing so oftentimes what i find is the citrate forms are really useful uh, sally norton she is uh, a powerhouse of information with regard to exactly what you what you know what what is important with regard to supplementation i think that her focus is primarily on the minerals i look a bit more at the vitamins but the minerals are essential and that anyone who is going through uh, what are called dumping phases is something i've not really explained but basically as your body will start dumping it doesn't do it constantly for most people so for instance you might go through your honeymoon period of 30 minutes uh, 30 days or a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden what you'll find is that you go through phases of a couple of days uh, where you have symptoms and then you feel good for a couple of weeks after that. So you might dump once a week, once every two weeks, once every three weeks. And during that period in time, that is when you're going to need the most support. So that means extra mineral supplementation. You know, as I've said, the electrolytes, um, that means that if you're also, if we're also looking at what oxalate does in the body, it can, it shares a transporter with another mineral or an element called sulfur. And that, that is a very important mineral for our connective tissue, for our detoxification capacity, for all of the other kind of structural integrity in our body. We, we need sulfur. Okay. We need sulfur to generate uh, antioxidant compounds as well. So oxalate does tend to have a depleting effect on sulfur. And so what I really emphasize is that someone needs to be consuming good amounts of animal protein or ideally supplementing with sulfur amino acids, probably on a daily basis. Okay. Mm -hmm. So vegans, they tend to fare not very well. They're already very low in sulfur because they're not getting much through, through the diet. The amount that you find in cabbage and things is pretty measly compared to what you're getting from the dietary amino acids, methionine and cysteine and taurine. So, um, so I really focus on making sure that sulfur amino acids are high, but specifically the form of sulfur, which oxalate shares a transporter with and can pull out of the body when it's in high amounts is sulfate. And so one of the really useful tools at our disposal is by, uh, providing the body with tools or providing the body with precursors for inorganic sulfate so that we can start to replenish this. One of those mm. is using Epsom salts. Epsom salts uh, is magnesium bound with sulfate, uh, transdermal delivery of sulfur and magnesium 
comes in handy. Oftentimes, it's very useful for pain. Uh, what I like to recommend is MSM in quite high doses, anywhere from kind of four to eight grams per day. People find that that helps very much with pain. And what you're doing is as you're giving the body inorganic sulfate, because there's this what's called a bidirectional transport system with oxalate, as oxalate flows one way, sulfate flows the other way. So this occurs in the gut, in the liver, in the kidney. As you're accumulating oxalate, you're, you're, you're pushing out sulfate from your body. But at the same time, if you give yourself big doses of sulfate or sulfur, what you can then do is increase, I think, increase the rate at which your body is clearing out oxalate mm -hmm. from the body. And so many people find that as they take supplements which contain sulfur, as they take Epsom salts baths, it can trigger or it can enhance dumping. It can enhance the way that their body is clearing this stuff out. Okay. Um, next, what I would say is certain B vitamins are crucial. I find that biotin, uh, biotin tends to be negatively affected by oxalate. Some of the enzymes that oxalate disrupts are biotin dependent. So it can oxalate in that way can basically make us technically or functionally biotin deficient and taking biotin oftentimes addresses many of the neurological type symptoms which people have issues with with oxalate uh thiamine again uh thiamine tends to have a bit of a close relationship with oxalate people who have oxalate problems tend to be deficient in b1 at the cellular level and b6 uh b6 if someone is low in b6 if they are deficient in b6 then again um, this can cause their body to generate excess amounts of oxalate in the liver ordinarily when they, when they, when they shouldn't be doing that. Um, so B1, biotin, B6, uh, the sulfur amino acids, the, uh, minerals, specific form of minerals as well. So there is, um, a, it's a, it's a chemical, it's an organic acid. It's called citrate. Citrate is you can buy, uh, supplements which are bound with citrate. It's uh, another way for saying uh, citric acid, but essentially citrate in this form, uh, this has been used historically in, during kidney uh, kidney failure and when there's kidney stones uh, to dizzle or to break apart calcium oxalate mm. crystals. Um, chanka piedra can be very helpful for anyone with like bladder, urinary tract or kidney issues specifically. Again, this is known as the stone breaker. This breaks apart stones, um, but making sure that someone's got sufficient amounts of citrates to help dissolve uh, calcium oxalate crystals, minerals, the electrolytes, B vitamins and sulfur. They are the main supplements that I would use. I would use them on a daily basis, but I would also use them in much higher amounts, say twice, twice the amount on the day that someone is dumping. Now mm. you were going to ask about the diet. If I could just quickly say that, um, oftentimes people will come to me and they will say, look, you know, I love salads. I love vegetables. You know, it seems as though the foods that you've, you've, you've described, I send them a little leaflet. I send them to the low oxalate food, food group list online. Um, and when they see it, they say, well, this is most of my diet, you know, sweet potatoes, for instance, what do I replace with sweet potato or, or potato? What do I replace spinach with? What do I replace chocolate with, for instance? And what mm -hmm. I say is, look, there's loads of good alternatives. For instance, you can still have a salad and remain relatively low in oxalate. So, uh, some low oxalate salad veggies, for instance, is uh, you can have arugula, you can have many forms of uh, lettuce, you can have bell peppers, you can have coriander, you can have cucumber, um, boiled green peas, pumpkin, squash, courgette, watercress, you know, there's loads of different fruits and vegetables which are low in oxalate, right? It's just that oftentimes health conscious people focus on very high oxalate 
alternatives. What I would say is if, you know, we haven't really had much time to go through all the details, but what I would say is, is on the website, low, low oxalate inf low, low oxalate.info. There's a full list of the spreadsheet, basically showing all of the list of the tested oxalate awesome. foods, which is high, which is low, and people can go there. There's a Facebook group called Trying Low Oxalates, um, and that's run by Susan Owen. She's really the expert on this. There's a whole community of, of tens of thousands of people who basically can guide people on how to do this, how to reduce the, the amount slowly, and what kind of supplements and things to take. Um, yeah, that's... Awesome. Elliot, that's exactly what we all wanted to hear. And just a quick reminder that most of the vitamins that you talked about that we need are found in animal protein too. So that is why it's such a great base for that diet. Elliot, we only have a minute left. Can you please tell everybody where to find you and how they can work with you? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, um, I'm, uh, I have a website where I write some articles. I haven't done that in a while, but, uh, but I'm looking to update, update that, uh, shortly that's eonutrition.co.uk. I have a YouTube channel where I make videos and I do interviews and things like this today. Um, that's as EO nutrition. I'm on Facebook. I have started Instagram and I've started Twitter, but Again, I'm not really entirely sure how to use those, so I don't really update those very often. Uh, yeah, that's 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 about me. Uh, in terms of clients, I don't actually work with clients at the moment. I've stopped everything because uh, I'm working on building uh, like a, an e-course at the moment. Uh, awesome. Maybe I will be taking on clients in the future. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, you are such a wealth of knowledge and it's because of you that I have corrected my oxalate dumping scenario. And um, who knew? Here we are in the health world thinking we're doing all the right things and we are doing the wrong things. So definitely a humbling experience and it's always a journey for all of us. So thanks for joining us today again, Elliot. And thank you everyone else for joining us today. If I, if I can help you with your health issues, you can contact me directly through the website or at Sarah at acceleratedhealthproducts.com. I'm actually able to put together a personalized protocol just for you, complimentary. I know it's sometimes hard to know where to start. And you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram under Accelerated Health Products. And this episode and all of my episodes are found on YouTube, Insta or, uh, Stitcher, Pandora, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and over a hundred podcast platforms. So you can find this anywhere. We also do Accelerated Health Bites, where I do short informational videos about health topics that you want me to address. And if you like what you heard today, please hit the subscribe button and share with a few of our, your vegan friends or your health-minded friends who may need to know more about oxalates. As you share my channel, it helps me help more people like you and bring more cutting-edge guests to the show. Join us every week, and we will see you next week. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.